Welcome to The Hub Dialogues, a podcast that celebrates big thinkers and bold ideas about a better future for all of us. I'm Rudyard Griffiths, the executive director of The Hub, Canada's leading source for analysis and insights on public policy. Our goal at The Hub is to escape the opinion bubbles of conventional conversation and prod our popular discourse back to the issues and ideas that can shape our collective future. On The Hub Dialogues, you'll hear Sean Spear, our editor-at-large, in conversation with some of the world's sharpest minds and brightest thinkers about the issues and ideas that they're passionate about and that they think we should spend more time focusing on. The Hub's podcasts are generously supported by the Ira Gluskin and Maxine Granovsky Gluskin Charitable Foundation and the Linda Frum and Howard Sokolowski Charitable Foundation. Enjoy this Hub Dialogue. Welcome to Hub Dialogues. I'm your host, Sean Spearder, editor-at-large at The Hub. I'm honored to be joined today by two Israelis, Harold Oren and Elon Cohn, who held security responsibilities in Kibbutz Rim, which is one of the communities that Hamas attacked on October 7th. Their efforts, along with other first responders, held back the terrorists for more than five hours and minimized casualties and hostages from their community. I'm grateful to speak with them about the kibbutz and the people who live there, their experience on October 7th, and what they want the rest of the world, including Canada, to know about it. Harold and Neon, thank you for joining us at Hub Dialogues. Thank you very much for you, for hosting us in your dialogue. Thank you for hearing us and uh, bringing the story to, to the knowledge of uh, the world and the Canadian uh, people. Let's start with a question about your community, which is less than 10 kilometers from Gaza and looks like a beautiful place from the photos I've seen. How long have the two of you lived there? And what do you want a North American audience to know about the community and the people who inhabit it? First of all, it's not uh, 10 kilometers. It's uh, something like uh, 4.8 kilometers, something like two miles. And uh, it's pretty short and pretty close. Uh, what we want to, the audience to know is that uh, uh, in generally, we are here or there to live our life peacefully and grow our children peacefully and educate them and uh, give them a future. This is our goal in our, in our life, okay? And that's what I want uh, that the audience will, uh, will hear and uh, understand. Except that there is a lot of things to uh, go through in, on the way and uh, to understand how it works, how we work, and how the Palestinians or the Hamas uh, see, see lives differently from us. The idea of the kibbutz, it's uh, uh, like a huge family that we all working for the same purpose. Uh, we are working as much as we can and we get as much as we need. This is the idea of the kibbutz, which is kind of agriculture way of living. It's very beautiful, very green. All the fields around us, even though it's a desert, it's very green because we have a very good agriculture. And uh, we choose to live over there to grow our uh, agriculture uh, in a desert that can be something else uh, different from other places. We try to support the Palestinian we made a lot of efforts to give them the opportunity for decent life, to give them 
jobs, to give them a decent salary, and unfortunately, the advantages against us. Well, let me ask you, living so close to Gaza comes with security risks, which are evidenced, for instance, by the fortified housing and red color security protocols. So what is it, therefore, that draws people to the community? Why do people want to live there? First, first, uh, the Gaza Strip uh, is not bothering us usually. It's uh, We would describe it uh, 95% of the heaven, 5% of hell. It's uh, like when it's peaceful, it's peaceful and you can uh, go around and uh, do it in a social activity and uh, trips and uh, it's it's beautiful area. I want to say that more than that, what I want to make, make stronger, what Elon says, the area, first of all, 75 years ago, when, uh, when uh, Israel was arised, uh, was founded, there was nothing. It was desert. The Israelian uh, with uh, with uh, with their uh, willing uh, strength of willing, they develop uh, the agriculture. They develop uh, many other things that the Palestinians are using now, like puring the seawater and make them make them uh, uh, possible to drink. This is Israeli invention. Uh, the way they get, they grow their crops inside Gaza. This is Israeli technology, and uh, if they would uh, agree to live in peace, they will earn a lot, and they will uh, earn a decent life, and they will earn, Gaza can be the Singapore of uh, the Middle East. It has the the beautiest uh, piece of uh, beach that uh, that, uh, it can be something else. They decide not to do that. They decide to make it something different. I will answer you differently. Why to go to live in Toronto? Why to live in Tel Aviv? Uh, we went to live in Kibbutz Reim because this is part of our country, because we want to settle our country all over, no matter where, even if it's in the south side, north side, nearby the Hezbollah or nearby the Gaza Strip. This is our country. And this is our duty or mission to settle our country. It's not, it's not just that. Israel is, is a very small country and uh, it's already divided. And there is places that we cannot use, cannot uh, be in because of the uh, Palestinian conflict. <clears throat> and where we are, uh, where we try to um, make a settlements, they shoot at us, they uh, throw stones. Uh, we are not uh, doing the same. We are not uh, violence. This is something that you have to know that uh, the, the radical Islamic is now attacking us, uh, Israel, and we are dealing with the Hamas, which is not different from the ISIS or Al-Qaeda. This is the same lady, different uh, clothes. Okay, the same lady, different uh, dress. It's you have to understand that now it's in it's the starts or the the blossom of the of the radical Islamic in uh, French in uh, London in uh, Toronto. You can see it by the riots. It's very violent compared to the demonstration of the of the Israeli and Jewish people 
we was yesterday we was in this in in both riot and uh, demonstration we could see the the difference between saying you what you need or what you want to say uh, peacefully and respectably or blocking the road to the hospital and uh, dis disturbing the, the the citizen life by the by, while we are speaking now i got a text message that all over around us there is launching missiles now while we are speaking they're still launching missiles this is, this is the situation Harold, I promise you we'll come to those points, but I just want to, one more question to help contextualize your roles and experience in the kibbutz, if, if that's okay. Because the two of you aren't merely community members. You both have responsibilities, as I understand it. Elon, you are a civilian response officer, and Harold, you are the professional security officer. Talk about those roles and responsibilities. What, what do they entail? Emergency response team uh, in charge for the security, for the health, for the population, for the um, for all the uh, matters that uh, concern the population in our kibbutz, I am the contact man or the tube between the army and our kibbutz, between the um, chairman, the leadership uh, of uh, our council region to our kibbutz, um, the. All the accessories that we supposed to be uh, supported by the government or by the council region to our kibbutz for our population. My job is uh, to be uh, synchronized to Elon, which is uh, the civilian manager, and uh, like uh, in the, it's not just you know emergency uh, emergency can occur uh, by. Uh, bus that uh, have a car accident and uh, now there is a lot of people that uh, get hurt doesn't have to be a launching of uh, of red color and uh, all this this is the we because uh, we we know so well the 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 situation changed so fast in in our region that we have to to have this uh, kind of a team that can uh, respond for the changes uh my my job is like uh, uh having uh troops or a squad team that uh, is trained they have uh, weapons in their house they have uh, gear and they have uh, equipment and radio and they are, because we are so close to the to the border we have to be all the time uh on alert and watching and that what happened in the 7th of October was uh, uh, something extraordinary. And uh, we we all didn't believe and didn't want to believe that it's happening to us. And uh, on that time, I uh, it was uh, half a six in the morning. I, uh, we hear all the lunches. It was something different. It was clear that uh, something is much bigger than the usual. We know about lunging and, uh, and uh, this noise. And I called to Elon. I uh, I was uh, asking him if he is awake. He said yes. And uh, then he told me that it's a destruction for invasion. For uh, that he think that it's an instruction to invade Israel. I called to my uh, civilian commander, which uh, is supposed to give me the information, uh, the information from the army for the local uh, 
from the local uh, <clears throat> community. And uh, he said that there is a lot of uh, invasion from all the uh, all the range, like 60 kilometers of invention. It's something that uh, we didn't uh, have till uh, the 7th of October. And uh, on that uh, minute, we are calling to the first response squad, uh, squad and we, I'm telling them, I telling them to be prepared to take out their gear, to be uh, ready to go out. Let me take up that point now because I understand, Ilan, that you were sleeping about 20 kilometers away from the kibbutz that morning. Why is that an important part of your story? How did it enable you to have some advanced warning of the impending attack on your community? And how did you manage to get there to help without being seen or killed? I'm uh, 23 years volunteering the Israeli Board of Police. I'm a police officer. I'm a captain. Um, it reminds me of three other uh, terrorist actions that uh, we had before. First one was uh, an armor vehicle that uh, were stolen in the Egyptian side. The soldiers, terrorist soldiers, uh, went to police station and they murdered uh, policemen, and then they steal the armor vehicle and they cross the fence to Israel. Uh, it was under destruction. At the north side, was launching missile, and the armor vehicle crossed the fence in the south side. Second one, uh, when they, uh, again, making a lot of launch and noise at uh, one part of the fence, and the other one, they kidnap Gilad Shalit, as we all know. And the third was uh, two armored vehicles that tried to cross the fence. After uh, south side, uh, there is troop of uh, uh, terrorists that uh, making a lot of noise, shooting and uh, launching missiles. As I went out the bed, I realized that something huge happened because after a long time that was very quiet, they launched missiles all over. It's remind remind me the same destruction for invasion. I begin, I understand it at the beginning is the first second that I went out from the bed. First, the, the last month was not so quiet. There was a lot of uh, demonstration on the or riots on the fence, which uh, we was containing. The Israeli side was containing these uh, riots and uh, let them happen and uh, just not to uh, make, uh, make uh, the Palestinian side angry and not to uh, stop it by, uh, we can stop it. But uh, the the idea of hurting like uh, a protester, uh, le- which uh, looks like an irrelevant uh, protester, uh, we don't want to do that. That's why we, we contain it and we let them uh, like chill up and uh, we, we go to the next day. This demonstration was the uh, way that uh, they uh, like uh, trap us. They, in this demo- demonstration, they put the the uh, explosive, explosive uh, in the foundation over the the nest, the fence, and uh, when the when the launching was uh, on in Saturday, they exploded and actually uh, it was the destruction for the invention. Let me take up Harold. You, you talked about speaking to Ilan. Elaborate a bit more on what you did 
immediately after speaking to him when you realized that this was something much bigger and more dangerous than the typical rocket attacks? Look, uh, <clears throat> after uh, I spoke with Elon, we we placed the first first team, first squad team uh, in defense uh, along the along the side that we know that it's the most dangerous side. May I, ask, may I just interrupt you? Can you help our listeners understand how many men would have been part of that defense? We was uh, five people. Five people uh, at the time standing uh, against this uh, uh, this uh, threat. And we didn't know what is the threat. We just heard a pretty close uh, machine gun uh, noise, uh, machine gun uh, shooting. And we didn't know. We didn't see anything yet. We just saw uh, cars at the side of the of the roads, and we thought that it's cars that got into a shelter because of the launching. We didn't know that in these cars there is uh, dead people that uh, was uh, attacked by these troops, that by these terrorists. They was except that they wanted to attack uh, kibbutzes and moshav. They was uh, spreading along the roads and uh, was uh, shooting at all. People that used the road, and uh, we had a very close uh, Nova party, which is uh, something like uh, one mile away north of the uh, Reim. Reim is the most uh, close uh, settlement or uh, kibbutz. And uh, <clears throat> and while we are seeing these uh, uh, vehicles, like uh, civilian vehicles, we we hear uh, that uh, the the shooting is getting close. We start to hear that uh, uh, people are are, they are uh, reporting that they hear it behind their house. And then Elon uh, gets phones and he start to uh, he start his part of the uh, of the war. And as I understand it, in other kibbutz where there wasn't advance warning, it was the homes of people in, in roles like yours that were targeted initially. Is that right? And, and if so, why don't you talk a bit about how you were able to, because of this advance warning, anticipate that and be in a position to carry out an effective defense of your community? You know, uh, each kibbutz uh, that uh, was realized that there is a invasion to the kibbutz and the squad team uh, went outside. I want to, uh, to explain, first of all, why we have the weapons in our uh, homes. Um, you know, agriculture, it's a very peaceful place. Uh, kibbutz or moshav, it's very peaceful. But because of the threat that we have from the west side, which is the Gaza Strip, along the years, that we know that they try to kill us with launching missiles, with, uh, with uh, uh, coming up from a tunnel, underground tunnels, uh, uh, with a trade that they are crossing the fence. Um, so we understand that we need to uh, keep ourselves uh, to protect our population. In this case, the army supply us rifles. And the squad team, which is uh, a few members, having rifles, it's only to protect ourselves from terror actions. Till, till no. the army is coming. It's not, uh, we are not supposed to solve the problem. We have to keep the problem, uh, like, uh, uh, to keep it uh, away from the houses and then wait something like 20 minutes till the army is coming and uh, they will solve the problem. We just have to hold 
the situation for, uh, for a bit. This is the, the idea of having uh, weapons at home, which before that, in uh, Tsuketan, 2014, there was uh, terrorists that came from uh, tunnels and uh, pop up in the uh, settlements, in the, in the fields of the settlements, and it was really necessary that we will have a weapon. Uh, this is the, the the existing war or the existing battle is all the time uh, getting worse and worse. Now, I will uh, keep saying that um, those security team who went outside at the very beginning of the terror action, uh, they changed uh, the uh, reality because the Hamas terrors that came to attack us and kill us, they were well done geared. They were well done, informed uh, from Palestinian. We used to work in our places, in our houses, and they collect intelligence. They collect names. They collect collect houses, place. They collect exactly where is the chief commander of the security team. They collect information where is a rifle at home, and those terrorists came directly to those uh, carrying uh, rifles homes and they try to kill them. This is the first action that they try to do. So um, I think it's uh, a huge matter that uh, we open our house to give the Palestinian dignity life, dignity salary, and they use it as advantage against us. You described there, Ilan, a bit about the terrorists that entered the kibbutz. Why don't you talk a bit more how many were there and how should we understand their capacities and preparedness? It's unbelievable. They came with uh, between eight to 10 pickups to our kibbutz. Each pickup contained between five to 10 uh, uh, terrorists, uh, Nazis, uh, Hamas. They they were very well geared with uh, Kalachnikov, with RPG, with a lot of ammunition, with a medical assistance, with MEP with the food, with the local money, they came to uh, kill, they came to murder, they came to kidnap uh, and have uh, hostages. Uh, They were very well know how to push the button to open the front uh, gate, okay? Uh, They very know well where is the dead uh, place in our fence kibbutz so they can penetrate without any distance disruption. They made it normally like they know the kibbutz. Uh, it looks like they're working in an alley. More than that, uh, they they came and they uh, was their intention or their goal was to kill as much civilian as they could. And they didn't come to fight the army. They didn't come to fight uh, someone to fight uh, like a fair fight. They came to kill a civilian from the baby, the first born baby, till the old lady or the old man. They, they get into the houses, they kill uh, old lady, but uh, but they could kill old lady, uh, 81 years old. And in the other side, not in the other side, in the other hand, they went to another house and they kill uh, a father and his uh, might. Against his children's uh, eyes, and they wrote by uh, lipstick, 
Hamas doesn't kill children, but he killed their soul. And this uh, Hamas action killed the soul of the children. They didn't kill them uh, physically. They killed their soul to see uh, the father and his, uh, his, uh, and his uh, wife killed along the, uh, against their eyes and, be, and then staying in the same room with dead bodies for at least tw- t- uh, eight hours. This is no other than, than uh, killing a, a soul of a young people, of a young, ma- a young child. I, I will tell the story um, as it was, uh, and I'm familiar with this. Uh, I knew that the terrorists go to this house and they murder in front of those uh, eight and 10 years old uh, boy and girl, uh, them father and uh, his girlfriend. And, and they uh, took a lipsticks and they wrote on the wall, Hamas does not kill children. Okay. Uh, and then one of the children called to his mother and his mother calls me and she says, Elon, please, I want you to help me take out my children. They are alone. Uh, my ex-husband and his girlfriend was murdered and the children now in front of the bodies. Now I need to take a very cold decision. What do I'm going to do with those two children? It's very difficult. Uh, it's very difficult to take this kind of decision because I have two children in front of two bodies, everything mess with blood, and now I need to act. Uh, I thought to myself and I figured that if they will stay there, it will be the safer place for those two children. And I will explain why. First, if I, if I will uh, send any uh, response team to go over and uh, try to pick them out, probably they will be like two ducks on a range. And if they will go out, probably the Hamas terrorists who were, who were in the kibbutz, they will, sow the, they will see them and they will shoot them down. So I had to leave them for many hours in the shelter room in front of the bodies, waiting that someone will come to pick them up to save them. And if the Hamas terrorists will go again to this house, they will see a lot of blood, two bodies. They will not search for anybody. So this is the, the safest place for those two children. But finally, those two children alive and we brought them to their mother, free and safe. Hey, Hub Podcast listener, you're just one click away from getting access to all of the Hub's best content. Visit www.thehub.ca for our original journalism, commentary, wine reviews, poetry. We've got it all. The thinking person's one-stop destination for news and information is www.thehub.ca. While you're there, sign up for our complimentary Hub membership. You'll get delivered to your inbox each and every Saturday, a compilation of our best writing from the previous week. Again, free for you right now at www.thehub.ca. I have to ask about your confrontation with the terrorists. As I understand it, your small first responder team managed to, as Harold put it, largely contain what was a significantly larger and better equipped group of terrorists. What kind of weapons did you have and how did you go about defending the community? We had uh, only rifle, 
with uh, normal uh, ammunition. And uh, we was divided to three, uh, three uh, couples. Uh, that was uh, one of the couple was uh, like fighting the other of the the other side of this couple was protecting his uh, back, and actually there was only one uh, rifle against the 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 terrorist, and uh, we was uh, at at the end we was seven. It was uh, holding the situation for five five and a half hours till the till the uh, army came with uh, enough power to to start and clean the area. It's the David and Goliath story. We were very some against very many. Um, they were approximately eighty terrorists that uh, penetrate to our kibbutz with the seven heroes that Ariel, one of them, fight with them. Uh, those terrorists uh, who feel that uh, their life uh, in a dangerous, they didn't know what to do exactly because her mission was, their mission was to kill, to murder, and to kidnap. To kill civilians. They didn't expect for us to, uh, to resist. By the way, they hostage uh, Thai uh, workers what does the Thai? Uh, Why they are make? involved? Why they are involved in our battle? They are involved in our uh, conflict. The Thais, they have no connection. The Thai is only a Thailand citizens who came to work in Israel. There is no matter or any uh, other case against uh, uh, with us. It, 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 it makes no sense. More than that, the time uh, already paid uh, enormous. Uh, they paid for, with their life in the last uh, past uh, few years by uh, killed by launching or uh, or uh, explosive. Uh, they already paid this uh, price. Now they are kidnapped. Let me just say, gentlemen, that you and the others involved are heroes who saved your community from far more casualties and hostages. And so on behalf of our listeners, I want to say thank you. Yet, notwithstanding your heroic efforts, you still lost people. And there are, according to one report that I read, as many as six or more hostages from your community in Gaza. Talk a bit about those who were killed or taken hostage from your kibbutz. What should we know about them? I will uh, start with, um, I went yesterday to see the Palestinian, uh, proper Palestinian um, demonstration. And they shoot uh, a ceasefire now. Uh, and I ask the world what kind of ceasefire they want. Why they ask for ceasefire? Those who live here ask for this uh, for ceasefire, or the Hamas terrorist uh, Nazis ask for a, a ceasefire, because we have 234 hostages, nine months child, one year child. Two-year daughter, three years child, in the hostages. The Red Cross didn't sow them. Nobody know what's going on with them. So what kind of ceasefire they're asking? Where is the word? Why the word standing and not doing nothing? Who asked the ceasefire? Who asked the ceasefire? I want to know. The terrorists, the Hamas, the Nazis terrorists? What about the nine-month child? Without his mother, the two years, the three years, the four years, 
234 people in hostage. And you, you know what? See how humanitarian we are. Every day, cross 100 trucks to the Gaza Strip, humanitarian aid. No other country around the world will let this happen. No other country let one bullet to cross the fence. They're asking for ceasefire. I'm asking to see the children, the hostages. The hostages. This is the, the basic thing, the right for human being to be so by the medical, by the Red Cross. So all the countries, all the world that is very beautiful, what about our hostages? We'll start with a nine-month child. They murdered uh, parents in front of the children. They left six-month couple, no, twins, to stay alone for 12 hours, alone, crying. And they asked for ceasefire. I think the world uh, get crazy. Nobody need to stop listening those. I cannot define them as the animals. They are much, the animals not act as they behave. The world need to know. Today, the Hamas terror action happened in Israel. Tomorrow morning, it will be here in Toronto. Next day, will be in Europe and all over the world. They need to understand that the Iranian who support them and train them to murder and kill people, innocent people, children, old ladies, ladies, and grandfather who support the Palestinians. They drove them to the medical assistant. And now it's the hostages, and nobody knows what's going on over there. The world meet, must wake up to a new morning and realize that the radical uh, uh, Muslims will be at the next country after Israel. Harold, I'll ask you about your message to Canadian audience and the world in a minute, but I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you just to talk about your community members that were killed or taken hostage that day. Okay. Uh, our community uh, lost uh, five uh, members uh, since uh, 80, 81 years old lady that was killed in her bed while she was uh, sleeping or while she wasn't uh, able to close the shelter door. Another uh, <clears throat> another uh, young man that was uh, fighting bare hands with uh, something like 10, uh, ten uh, terrorists and uh, couldn't uh, hand them. Uh, another two, this uh, two couple, this couple that was uh, murdered in the in front of their child, and this is this is every every story is worse than the other. Every story is shows that uh, the people that was committing this thing, they, they don't have any morality. They, they came to kill civilians. They came to kill childs, childrens. They came to kill old women. They, they didn't care. They, they wanted this area clear. They wanted this area without Jews, without, apparently, without ties, without Bedouins, without uh, Cambodians, Without anything, they want this area clear from everything, and they and they came and commit as much as they, they could. But we are standing alone. We are standing well, stronger, and we will uh, win this uh, battle, and we will recover everything. 
and the next time there will uh, there will be no uh, Hamas leadership because the ceasefire that they ask now uh, is uh, written with the reorganization. They want the ceasefire to reorganize themselves. If we now get them, let them ceasefire, they will uh, arrange themselves, they will uh, arm themselves, and they will uh, will be able to fight more. This is the uh, the idea. Israel uh, is a very reasonable country. Within in different country, Gaza was uh, was uh, swept. Was uh, you wouldn't see any of Gaza if it would happen in in, in different country. Israel is not behaving like that. Israel is uh, is coming into Gaza, losing soldiers in the uh, in the path of uh, to clear only the the one that want to uh, harm Israel. We have nothing against the the Palestinian population, and Israel. The problem is that the Palestinian or the Hamas is hiding under hospitals and school. And UNRWA, uh, the great UNRWA, let them uh, hide in their schools. And the, the, this, this very uh, poor people from UNRWA, let, the, let this happen and let this going on. And now when we have to clear it, suddenly there is a problem because we have to go under the hospital. The hospital was the the shelter of the it was the shelter of the Hamas, and now I hope in, that when we will finish with this uh, part of Gaza, which is not all Gaza, this is only the northern uh, northeast uh, side of Gaza. I hope that uh, they will have no facilities. They will have uh, <clears throat> they will have uh, uh, to start again and uh, all over again. Gaza will be uh, more beautiful as well because they will have to build it again. You know, it must be humanitarian with humanitarian. If you want humanitarian, we want humanitarian. We want to bring back Gilad Shalit and Aron Shaul and Adar, uh, sorry, uh, sorry, sorry, not Gilad Adar Godin and Aron Shaul and the other two uh, guys that we have over there and our 234 uh, hostages. And uh, they are not a victim. We are the victim. The world must know that we are the victim, not them. They are not poor. That's a good segue, gentlemen, to my penultimate question. I want to put something to you that I recently asked a Canadian-Israeli journalist. What do you think people in Canada and elsewhere in the West are missing from this story? What are we failing to see or understand about what you saw on October 7th and in the ensuing weeks? And what do you think about the protests and rallies that have marked the streets of Western countries like Canada? First of all, uh, what you miss is the big story. The big story is that uh, soon it's going to be happening here. The big story is that uh, you are on the way. You are on the, uh, the next uh, station of there. The, the refugees that came from uh, Syria, that came from uh, different other countries, they now are citizens here in Canada. And the, their force is going and grow and grow and grow, and they are violent. I, I, yesterday I was uh, present in two riots, in two, uh, uh, in two, in one, in one riot and one protest. Yeah, the riot was very uh, violent. They blocked the way to the hospitals. 
they was shouting. It was very, uh, uh, there was a very bad climate there. And what I saw is the people that are not relevant to this uh, conflict are coming and joining the Palestinian. Uh, they don't understand that uh, soon uh, there will be the Kofrim. How you say Kofrim? The next victims. The next victims, okay. Because in the eyes of Hamas or in the eyes of the Islamic radical, a radical Islamic, who is not Islamic, is the next trader. And if you won't be with your eye open, you will be the next to, to be killed. You will be the next to, uh, that your country will, t- will be taken over. Uh, they are very violent. We was afterwards. We was in the demonstration of uh, uh, pro-Israel. It was very nice. It was very uh, calm. It was very like uh, culturable. This is the difference. In the, the, again, the west side of the map will uh, against the eastern side of the map, and that's what I have to understand. This is what uh, the what the Canadian audience or listeners. Are, are missing. This is the big story. Now you say you see the small story or the the headlines that we are very cruel and uh, we stop the the electric, electricity to the hospitals and uh, there is no water in Gaza and there there is no first aid and you the people have to ask why why all that happening. That happened because the Hamas is hiding behind these facilities. I think uh, what the population here miss is the the truly, and the, they don't want to face with the reality as it is. If uh, they are uh, uh, publishing um, a, a little child with six fingers, they raise up hand. Uh, uh, which is fake news, and they believe it. I think uh, the people very naive, and if uh, they publish uh, a body that move in a dead body uh, bag, uh, and they believe it, it's fake news. You must understand that today it was in Israel, tomorrow it will be in Europe, or in the United States, or in Canada, or South America. Uh, they must understand that not all the Muslims, but uh, the Iranian support terrorist Muslims, the radical one, as it was yesterday in the demonstration, you will be the next. The world must wake up to a new morning to face the truth and not be naive. Naive, it's out of question, out of the living way it should be differently you must be suspicious think how much we let them live decently in our houses and what they done for against us it's unbelievable they used everyone uh, to them uh, uh, prosper uh, to them uh, advantage they are using ambulance to run away from the IDF, the terrorists. They're using an ambulance. The uh, uh, the hospital is a hiding place, the UNRWA is safety place, the kid garden, um, it's safety place. 
So the world must wake up to a new morning uh, uh, and believe it's true and not the fake news. I will concentrate to one thing, one last thing. Riots is bad, no matter what. Riots is bad. Today we are the victim. You let them grow, and to, tomorrow they will pick a different victim. It can be the the Christian, it can be the Jewish, it can be whatever they want. Riots is bad, and today we are with the victim. Tomorrow you will be uh, uh, someone else will be the victim. Final question, gentlemen. I have to ask, in light of everything you've gone through, including the heroism that you've displayed, do you intend to return and ultimately live in your community? Absolutely, yes. This is our home. This is our only home. This is our country. This is the only country. There is several uh, Muslims countries. If anyone wants them, he can have them. By the way, nobody from the Muslims country, which is a huge countries, don't want to touch them. They know that this is a cancer. They don't want to help them truly to send money, sending money to the Hamas, not to the, to the uh, normal population. They are sending money to the Hamas. Nobody wants to touch them, and we are co- going to win this war. We are very strong, and we will go back our home. We rebuild our kibbutz. We rebuild uh, our uh, place all over. We will grow agriculture. Everything will be back green. It will take some time, but we will do it. We are going back home after we will win this uh, uh, war. And uh, uh, the Hamas will be out of the equation. I will end in one uh, sentence from the Torah. As long as you torture him, it grows. That's the uh, that's the <clears throat> concentrating what we will have and we will do there. As long as you torture him, the people grows. You've been generous with your time, Harold Orwin. That's a good spot to wrap up our conversation. I want to thank you, Harold Orwin and Elon Cohn, so much for joining us at Hub Dialogues. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hub Dialogues, brought to you by The Hub, Canada's leading source for analysis and insights on public policy. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode. Please share your favorite Hub podcast with friends and family and subscribe wherever you get your audio online. We also appreciate your ratings and reviews. Go to our website, www.thehub.ca. I'm the Hub's Executive Director, Rudyard Griffiths. The host of today's program was Sean Spear, the Hub's Editor-at-Large. This episode was produced by Amal Atar Guzman. The Hub's audio producers are Alex Clutch and David Matta. The Hub podcasts are generously supported by the Ira Gluskin and Maxine Granovsky Gluskin Charitable Foundation and the Linda Frum and Howard Sokolowski Charitable Foundation. Thanks for listening. <laughs>